baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. John Hancock is in for Amy Marks Corps. I'm Chris Ranji. This is KMOX. It's Thursday after the 1030 news, which means it's time to talk with our guy, Major Garrett, Chief Washington Correspondent for CBS News, author of The Big Truth, Upholding Democracy in the Age of the Big Lie. Also two podcasts. Host uh, the, the Takeout is one of them. The other one is called Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen. Uh, We've got Major Garrett with us now, and if you're at home trying to get one of your silly podcasts off the ground, this guy's like a two-sport athlete. He's got two of them. He's got two good podcasts. The rest of us trying to put together one. Share the riches, bro. Thank you for saying that, and uh, it's uh, the product of a lot of work, a lot of effort, and uh, I encourage everyone to get into the podcast space. It's uh, the, The water's warm. Jump on in. It's fun. Well, we we love having you in the podcasts are are awesome, and we'll talk about who's on the takeout in a little bit. But last night, sure. we saw the debate between DeSantis and Haley, and uh, it seems like the consensus last night and into the morning is, well, the winner was Donald Trump. Hard to argue with that. Very hard to argue with that. I watched the debate last night, and I thought to myself, did anyone on either team say that if you're Nikki Haley or if you're Ron DeSantis and you spend all of your time arguing with and engaging in verbal jousting with your opponent next to you and don't talk about how you're different and better than Trump, then Trump will win. And apparently that conversation didn't have. And that is not a complex political bit of analysis. It's the simplest, basic, most fundamental political analysis. And it's the great mystery of this campaign, gentlemen. It just is. I've never seen a campaign in which people vying for the top prize, the nomination of a national party, don't want to criticize the leader in that race. Not very much. Only at the margins. And if you don't tell voters why you're better than the one they're leaning toward or thinking most about, guess what's going to happen? You may come in second, but you're not going to win. Yeah, it would seem to me that the only plausible rationale for the style of campaigns that we've seen uh, is that they're some they're hoping something catastrophic happens to Donald Trump and they're there to step right. into the correct. Into the You're one hundred percent correct. And you know that's uh, <laughs> that, that, you're, that, that, you're that, looking for that an act creates, of, an act of right. God at that point. You're 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 betting your future on a variable over which you exert zero control. Zero. And that's not a fundamentally sound way to approach any endeavor, but a particularly a political one. And there's this false argument that Republicans talk to themselves about. Well, if you go after Trump, you're going to lose the base. Well, in theory, yes, but you can try different ways. You can say, I'm better. I will do this. I appreciate that. But here's why for the times, 
for what our country needs. I am specifically better. You can at least try that. And I thought last night was the perfect place to do that. The perfect place to say, look, I know you're looking in on this. It's the closing days of the Iowa caucuses. Chris Christie has just dropped out. The race has got a little bit of flex to it right now, kind of a little bit of fluidity. So let me talk about why I am best prepared at this place, at this time, to succeed Donald Trump. And I was, I kept waiting for that. It would sort of manifest a little at the margins, but mostly it was hammer and tongs, lie this, lie that. You're wrong about this. You didn't do that. You're a weakling on this, whatever. And I'm thinking if I'm an Iowa Republican, it's like if I like Haley, I was happy that she stood up for herself. If I like DeSantis, I'm glad he was fierce. But that's not the question right now. The question is, can you dislodge Trump and his at least 20-point lead in Iowa? Look, folks, it doesn't matter if Trump wins by 20 points or more who came in second. It just doesn't matter. That's a non-story. It only matters if you're somewhat close to Trump on election night come Monday. And what I saw last night, to me, based on my experience, and I could be wrong, anything is possible in politics, but based on many, 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 many years of watching this, I did not see anything to dislodge Trump's strong frontrunner status in Iowa. Yesterday, a uh, kind of a, a strange thing happened in Congress, you had the contempt of Congress hearing. Hunter Hunter Biden was yeah. not asked to testify, but he showed up anyway. And then as soon as Marjorie Taylor Greene started talking, he got up and walked out. So just a very we what what has the reaction been after all of that occurred yesterday? So the reaction is that on a theatrical scoreboard, Hunter Biden gets a very high mark. He had the theatrical control of that moment. And look, we are entering a stage, if we haven't already been in it for many years, where theater in politics is as important, if not more important, than anything else. Than the substance, than legalisms, what people take away and how things bounce around in social media and ricochet through the consciousness of the country theatrically can and oftentimes does matter more than any of the underlying substance. And what was evident yesterday was Hunter Biden's people said, let's take control of this scenario. We don't believe it's legit, so let's take control of it on our terms. And then we'll leave on our terms. And the only thing that I think substantively matters is there is a legal process here. Congress can find someone in contempt for ignoring a subpoena. And you know where that contempt charge goes? It goes to the Department of Justice, which has shown its ability to indict Hunter Biden. Let's remind ourselves of that. You may think not often enough, but he has been indicted. So the Justice Department knows how to indict Hunter Biden, knows how to follow up. But Hunter Biden going there saying, hey, if you're going to accuse me of contempt for not a, a, a Answering your subpoena, and here I am, that will give the Justice Department pause to say, yes, you are in contempt of Congress. Again, that is a low-level substantive matter. The theatrics of it was to steal some Republican thunder, and I know most Democrats believe Hunter Biden did. I certainly know his legal team believes he did, and they at least, at minimum, fought the theatrical part of yesterday to a draw 
many think they won the moment. Chief Washington correspondent for CBS News, Major Garrett, is our guest. Uh, Major, a lot of times uh, heading into the early stages of an election year, and we're January Mm -hmm. of 24, uh, you can read some tea leaves based on who in Congress is deciding to hang it up, not run for re-election. And a lot of times that gives you a pretty good at least uh, insight into what at least the insider class thinks is about to happen. Have you seen anything in the in the retirement so far that to give you any sense of what's happening? Yes, but it's not what what you so accurately described. What you so accurately described is a kind of way to get a sense of the weather what a weather vane, a kind of what what way the wind's blowing. You know? Because when people bow out of Congress, they think one of two things. Either their party is not going to keep what they have or get what they want. If you're in the majority, you're not going to keep your majority. You're going to be out of majority status. Or if you're trying to get the majority, you're not going to get it. And so what's, what are you hanging around for? It's kind of an indicator like this. Because Trump and the Trump factor is so absolutely positively singular, utterly unique in American politics, retirements on the Republican side in the House tell me something different. Not that they're unsure of they're going to win the majority or not. They already possess the majority, though it is incredibly narrow, as narrow as can be. But some of them don't want to hang around for a Trump presidency. That's what I detect, even though under the circumstances that you were describing, that would never be the case. What? Our our guy or our gal someday, but our guy's going to get in? I want to hang around for that. Uh-uh. Some don't want to hang around for that. Uh, That's what I detect. And I saw that yeah. yesterday in Greg Pence. Getting uh, announcing he's not taking re-election. So he, he had a safe seat, totally safe seat. Could be in the majority. Uh, uh-uh, I'm out. And I think other Republicans are signaling that as well. A unique moment and a kind of tea leaf I never expected to see. And and all of that's happening against the um, you you know the backdrop of the possibility, though it's it's not likely yet. Maybe it's not even eminent. But it is on the table, according to Chip Roy, that they might get rid of yeah. Mike Johnson, the new Gosh. speaker of the House they just voted for. So, so right. how likely is that possibility now? I, 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 I don't. I mean, honestly, this is this is such a, an upside down world. Uh, and I, I do make that in loving reference to Stranger Things, um, a show I very much enjoyed during lockdown. Uh, we are living in the upside down. I, I, I thought, and people asked me this earlier this week, well, they've got this new deal on spending. Do you think it'll hold? I said, yeah. And I, and I, I texted a bunch of Republicans and Republican-aligned lobbyists, and they all pretty much agreed with me. My sense on Sunday was, look, the spending deal, conservatives won't be happy with it, but it's Kevin's deal. He reached it last year, middle of the year, so there wouldn't be a debt crisis. Johnson can blame it on Kevin and say we're going to govern because it's an election year. We want to keep our focus on Biden and the oversight and Hunter and all that other stuff. I'm going to work aggressively on all those things. Just give me a pass on this. And everyone said, yeah, that sounds about right. That's, that's where that's things we're going to land. It won't be easy, but that's where it'll land. And yet, Chip Royner is like, no, 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 no. We're going to sack this speaker, too. And I'm like, well, then I, then I honestly don't know how to read things anymore. Because that makes no practical legislative or political sense. It just doesn't. It disempowers your Republican majority when it's already 
as narrow as it could possibly be. But I don't know. I can't tell you that they're not going to do it. I can't tell you that. So the objection some of them have is that they are working with the other side to get something done on a spending bill to not shut down the government. That's the objection. Compromise. Right. But you have and, and I don't, I'm not trying to be overly simplistic about this. It's very simple. The president of the United States is a Democrat. The Senate majority is Democratic. You are a Republican House. You have one part of a bicameral and divided legislative to executive branch government. You don't, by definition, get your way in every respect. You just don't. Because other people elected by other Americans to represent their interests outnumber you. And therefore, you have to compromise. And it's not as if this spending deal isn't a retrenchment in some conservative ways from the deal struck last summer. It is. They got some more IRS funding reprogrammed, and they got some COVID money reprogrammed. They got a couple of things. Fall forward, dummies. (laughs) That's great. Fall forward, dummies. I would... I will be using that forever now. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, Major, who's on? <laughs> fall forward, dummies. Who's on the takeout this week? So, uh, Bob Casey, Democrat from Pennsylvania, senator, up for re-election. And uh, as I mentioned on the show, I have historically, we're, sh- we're in our eighth year, by the way, of the takeout. I'm very proud of that. We have historically, because of my instincts, not had senators running for re-election on the show in a re-election year. But Casey's involved in a lot of issues right now. It's early in the year. I said, I'm going to make an exception. But I've offered his presumptive Republican nominee, David McCormick, a chance to be on the show. Equal time. And I said, hey, Senator Casey and Dave McCormick, if you want to bring this show to Pennsylvania and have a debate on my show, The Takeout, we'll do that, too. So anyway, that's that's Bob Casey. We cover a lot of ground. Uh, All this, Israel, Gaza, 14th Amendment, presidential immunity, the whole the whole the whole works. Host of the Takeout Podcast, Agent of Betrayal Podcast, The Big Truth Book, author of that, Chief Washington Correspondent for CBS News, and Cotton Bowl Champion, Major Garrett, with us on KMOX. Good to talk to you. We will talk to you next week. Look forward to it. Thanks. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 